Great to be back with you. It, feels, uh, it always feels like coming home here. I don't know what it is. You're just a homey bunch of people, maybe. Um, but thanks for your welcome. And uh, th- read the story that Pastor Shane has shared. And so the lady who did communion, the communion talk, what's your name? Liz. Thank you. That was, you should, she should write, shouldn't she? That was great. I, th- I want a copy of that. Um, that, was, that was great. Both those stories really are introductions to what the message I want to bring um, in a little while. And um, and just one word that I want to bring to you, and the word is interruptions. They happen all the time, whether it's a card being stolen, whether it's a child that won't go to sleep, or numerous other things you can fill in the blank, because they just happen all the time. And uh, I, I used to preach three, three, say three sermons, three, um, uh, three points, but I don't do that anymore. I try to just bring uh, a word, because I think... I. You won't remember three points. And it's not because there's anything wrong with you. It's just that we're so busy. We're just so swamped with information. But if we can go out with, with a word that when an interruption happens, it's a reminder. Hey, we sat in church and we talked about interruptions and that they can become opportunities. Then I think that's helpful. So, um, so that's the word that I want to share in a little while. If um, you don't know much about compassion, if we can, can get that first slide up on the screen. So if you're maybe new here or you've not come across us before, let me do a bit of a brief um, introduction. That is our, our mission statement that's behind me on the screen. Releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name is what we do. We are unashamedly Christian. We are about Jesus and we want to see kids freed from poverty. Currently, um, we do most of that through sponsorship and currently sponsoring just over 2.1 million children in 25 countries around the world. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Do you realize that if you compare that to the number of kids in poverty, if we were to continue to grow at the same rate, so compassion started the year the, the queen, the late queen was coronated. That gives you a bit of a same, same time frame. In that, if we were to continue to grow where it started at 35 children sponsored in South Korea, where we started in the 50s, to now 2.1 million children. If we were to continue to grow at that rate, do you know how long it would take to reach all the children in poverty? Are you ready for this figure? 10,000 years. 10,000 years. Now, it's just not up to compassion, thankfully. There's lots of other agencies like, you know, Samaritan's Purse and what they're doing. Get behind the shoebox thing. That, you know, that makes a difference. Philippines, if that's where those boxes are going. Do you realize the schools were shut due to COVID in the Philippines for two years? Two years. That means children who should have started school two years ago are now just starting. And you do, if you think about that in terms of poverty, that means that children, children are two years behind even before they start. And not only does that have an, an effect on that child and, and their family, but on their education, but it also has an effect on the country's economy. And that's the knock-on effect that's happened with COVID in lots of other cases, cases in Indonesia. It was um, just under 18 months, schools were shut. Half, half of the children in Thailand, where most, most of you here who sponsor, sponsor in Thailand, only half the kids in Thailand have access to either a device or internet. Oh, yeah, we can do school online. Yeah, if you can get online in, and, and if you have a device. So again, it's the impact that goes on. And we, we struggle when the school's shut for a a month or two always impacts those in poverty. So we focus on children because we just think if we can help children to start well, 
if you can help them to get a really good education, if you can help them to um, make sure that they, they start well with good health, that they're getting regular medical checks, they're getting dental checks, that if they do need medication, that medication can be provided. So a lot of countries you go to that, that you can go and see the doctor for free or you can go to the hospital for free, but then they say, now take these pills, take this medicine, and they can't afford to buy that. So then they, well, what was the point in going? So in Compassion, what we do is then make sure that there's, there's funds available for medications when required so that, that kids can try and start healthy. Make sure they have nourishing food and clean water. Again, so a good health start to life and to their education. And then um, spiritually, we want to make sure that, that kids um, get to know Jesus. I think what's the best way to help a child out of poverty? Introduce them to the Saviour. So as uh, some of you remember, you met Newt. I brought her here to Roma a few years back. And um, she is going well. She's actually just finished three years Bible study training, uh, Bible college training, sorry, in New Zealand. Um, and her plan is to go back and really help with children curriculum. How can, you, how can they help children to really grow as disciples? That's her, how we'll come to know him and then grow as disciples. And she did an interview on Zoom um, with me for a school, a local school. And... It, just about every question I asked her, she turned it back to, but we need to help children find Jesus. That's her passion because she came to know Jesus through being sponsored as a child. However, if you remember her story, she never got a letter. Right through from, right through from primary school through high school, her sponsor never wrote to her. And in this interview again, she reminded me of the story where she said the other kids would get letters and she'd wait and hope and there'd be no letter would come. So she knew nothing about her sponsor apart from their name and where they lived. And then while she said, she said I would look at their faces and I'd see their smile, I'd see their faces light up when they get a letter. And she said, I would go away and cry. <laughs> and if you haven't written for a while, this is the part where you start feeling guilty, you look at the floor. And, um, um, but a little, in a little while, I want to tell you a bit more about why letters are so important, why I think it's hard to write. Because that's a reality. Wherever at church I go, it's, it's similar to that. But we want, part of the reason those letters are important is because one of the other aspects that sponsorship provides is socio-emotional support. It sounds like a grand word, doesn't it? But if you think of a child that's grown in poverty and their parents have grown up in poverty and maybe their grandparents have grown up in poverty, their thinking is poverty thinking. And um, shortly, I'm going to show you a video just to see what that looks like for a child. And it takes a while for them to start to dream bigger. Letters can make a huge difference when a child in a country in poverty gets a letter from a country that seemed to be wealthy or going really well. And that letter says, I believe in you and I believe you can become a teacher or a, a doctor or a nurse or a mechanic or whatever it is. That, that has powerful effect, those words, which is Another reason why those letters are important. So we want to help children physically, we want to help them emotionally, we want to help them spiritually, because we want them to thrive. Um, and one of the key other things there is education, helping children to get a really good education so they get a choice about a job. So currently, if we can go on to the next slide, currently there are 60 kids being sponsored by your church family here in Roma. And um, Roma has a joint partnership. That means that the other churches in Roma are sponsored from the same region as well. So a few months back, I was at um, the Church of Christ. They sponsor a bunch of kids as well. And um, 
And I, I want to bring the same message that I brought to the Church of Christ to you guys. Thinking, this, this I feel is for Roma. Um, I'm at Heart Church this afternoon, and I'm going to preach the same message again. Because not only do we need to know how to deal with interruptions in our lives, but we need to think about how to interrupt poverty. Whether it's in Thailand or whether it's in Roma. To bring an interruption to, to things maybe as they are, but not what they should be. So um, for the, the 60 guys or so that are sponsoring, thank you for... Um, for sponsoring Making Difference in a Child and Children's Lives. If you're not a sponsor yet, you're, you're, if, you, if you join in today, you're joining with a bunch of people that are already on board, um, not just here at this church, but across the churches in Roma. Um, okay, on the next slide, three, how do we work that out? Is really these three C's, if that helps you to remember. So I've spoken a little bit about this as well. So we focus on children, but all the programs we run with this discipleship program really for kids is run through the local church. So it's not Westerners, it's not um, Compassion doing that, it's the local church doing that. And that, as a pastor, I just love that. So when you sponsor a child, you empower the local church to reach out into their local community and to help the poorest of the poor. That's what sponsorship does. So it's a double benefit where you um, are, are freeing people from the, the church community to reach out and be the hands and feet of Jesus as they go out and as they reach children and families. So it's a phenomenal opportunity. So um, we were hoping to do a, we've happened to do a trip to take you guys to visit um, the kids that you sponsor in Thailand. We still want to do that. We just we're, we haven't had the go-ahead to get trips up and running again yet, but I will let you know as soon as that happens. Um, and uh, not only is it churches in Roma, but there's a ACC church up in Mariba, uh, Abundant Life Center, and um, they they sponsor it in the same region as well. So there's now a bit of a bigger pool to draw from. And let's see if we can get a, um, a number of people to to go and visit and get messed up. That's how I put it. Go and visit your sponsored child. It messes you up in a good way where you sit with a, with a family, you sit with a child, and you, you hear from them what it's like, um, what they're living, what their conditions are, what their house looks like, what a day-to-day -day life is like. And um, then you come, come back and you walk into IGA or Coles or Woolies or whatever ever it is, and you just think, this is not fair. This is not fair. And it does. It messes you up. But I think we need that because the majority of the world doesn't live like us. We're a minority country. So um, I'll, we'll keep you posted about trips as soon as I know. Um, I've got so many churches desperate to go back and visit or visit for the first time. And Thailand's my favorite place on the planet to visit. The people are just delightful. They're very shy, but um, it's called the country of smiles. You can take that. And their food is just on another level. So um, um, it's uh, an amazing country to visit. Um, it's a country that's never been colonized. So their, their culture is so rich. There are just so many things about visiting Thailand that I could go on for a long time about. But um, hopefully, we'll be able to, uh, you better see that for yourselves. I want to show you a video clip that, that links up a bit with about this socio-emotional thing I mentioned earlier. So currently, as I speak, there is a team of about 24 cyclists that um, they took their bikes and they dipped them in the water to, on a beach just west of Perth. And then they are riding to Newcastle. And they're going to dip their wheels in the water on Newcastle Beach next Wednesday. So um, 
that's a pretty long ride. They're, they're doing somewhere like 120 to 160 kilometers a day is, uh, is what they're riding. And it's called Ride for Compassion. There's two riders from Queensland who are part of the team. Um, and you're going to hear from one of them. Her name is Nellie, and you're going to hear from her in a moment. And every day what they're doing is they, they read a child's story that inspires them. This is why we're going to ride. Today we ride because we've had this story. So I thought, let's, um, let's hear from some people that have raised so far, they've raised just over $600,000 doing this ride. It's phenomenal, phenomenal what they're doing. So if this, we try and do this ride about every two years, two to three years. So if, you, if you're a cyclist and you think, ah, I fancy a big challenge, um, um, let me know and we can, we can give you details about it. So anyway, let's go to the screens and let's have a listen to this child story. Thank you. It's powerful, isn't it? It's powerful because it's hard to dream big when all you can see around you is poverty. So um, after the service, there's an opportunity if, you, if you're able to sponsor a child maybe for the first time where you say, actually, I could sponsor an another child. There are a few older kids, so it might be, yeah, I could do that for you know, a few more years rather than picking up a one-year-old. That opportunity is there. But there's also can be opportunity. When you sit down and have a, have a, have a coffee out there, why not? take the opportunity to write a letter to your sponsor child. I want to make that as easy as possible. So if you don't already, the easiest way to write is on your phone. The, the, our website works like an app on your phone. Happy to show you how to, how to do that. I write all my letters on my phone. Often after a meeting I've had at a cafe or something, I'll stop and then I'll write my letter. It takes me just a few minutes. All my photos are on my phone, easy to attach them. It's so quick to do that. As a family, you might think, well, maybe write at dinner time. When you're all together, take a photo of your food. The Thais love food. And our food's different. Take a photo of what you're eating and, and, and maybe pass the phone around the table. Maybe you don't normally do that, but make an exception maybe to write a letter that you each write a sentence or so each. Um, that kind of thing can, um, can maybe be helpful. So there's, I've got details out there about how to write online. Um, so there's, um, there's a step-by-step -step guide on how you can do that. And then there are also... Um, some of these cards, 
which you can just take while you're having your, having your tea or your coffee. This one is um, first letter to a primary age child. How do I start a letter to a primary age child? Well, here's, here's a way. You can take photos of these if that's helpful. Um, how to write about a holiday. How to write to a teenager. So apart from writing the letter for you, this is as close as we can get, I think, um, because we just want to be able to help people um, to write. So maybe today would inspire you to do that. There's, there's, if you run right by hand, there's paper and pens out there as well. And if you want, if you want some help, please come speak to me. Um, but let's see if we can up the letters. And this is why we need to up the letters. If you can go onto this slide. So 152 letters were sent in the last 12 months by this church. So you guys sent 42 and the kids sent 110. Your sponsor kids write better than you. Now sadly, this is normal. When I go to most, the majority of churches, the kids write twice as many letters as the sponsors. That's the general rule. Bit or take, you're a bit under that. That, that, that's that statistic. And I think the reason is why is in the West, we think the answer is money because we're a materialistic society. And you might say, no, we're Christians. We don't think that. You do. It's in our DNA. It's in our culture. It's embedded in us. We do think that. So we have to make an effort to think outside culturally that money is a help. Yes, absolutely. Is it important? Yes, absolutely. But it's not the only thing. You see, if you're in extreme poverty, you won't survive without relationship. Money is not enough on its own. So if, if you're doing a bit better, you'll help the people around you, your neighbors. When you're doing it tough and they're doing a bit better, they help you. So abject poverty is having nothing and having no one. Why is our suicide rate so high? Why are so many people lonely in our country? It's because we think the answer is stuff. And that's why when I take people to visit their sponsor child, pretty much every trip, I, I think I could probably say every trip, people will make a comment like this. They haven't got much, but they seem so happy. And what we're saying is, underlying that is, you've got to have stuff to be happy because it's what our culture says. So writing a letter to your sponsor child is countercultural for most Aussies. And that's why I think this statistic is like that. And it will take effort and it will take an interruption into your life to say, I'm going to be countercultural because I want to make a difference in a child's life. Does that make sense? Um, making you feel guilty, that won't make you write letters. I've tried that one. That doesn't work. But if I can help you think the other way around, maybe that will. Maybe that will. But maybe you can make a difference today and, uh, and write today. Okay, let's, uh, let's jump into God's Word. So up on the screen here, I'm going to... Read a passage from Mark, and we'll kind of comment on it as we go. I had some eye surgery done, and I'm, um, I can't read the print that I've got here. So excuse me turning around. I'm going to read from here. All right, so let's have a look from Mark chapter 5. This is from the, the Passion Translation. It's more of a paraphrase, really, but I've, there are some lines in here that are helpful to unpack it. So I've used this version. So after Jesus returned from across the lake, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. Just then, a man saw that it was Jesus, so he pushed through the crowd and threw himself down at his feet. His name was Jairus, a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue. He pleaded with Jesus, saying over and over, Please come with me. My little daughter is at the point of death, and she's only 12 years old. Come and lay your hands on her and heal her, and she will live. Okay, if you can go to that next slide. 
I was at a um, servo uh, a few months back. I was traveling from Brisbane up to Townsville and uh, stopped for fuel, as I do, en route. And I walked into the servo, and there was an unusually long queue. It was, you know, often you have a few people in front, but there was probably nine or so people in front of me, which is kind of unusual. So I'm waiting my turn. I'm not in any particular hurry. And, and the guy behind the counter got my attention. He was obviously stressed. You know, just body language is, is just, he was rushing around. And, and my mind sort of went back. So I used to work as a mechanic, and then I'd do an, an odd shift on the pumps as, as a bit of a top-up, because I didn't earn very much in those days. I earned six... $16 a month. Is that right? No, $16 a week. That was my, that was my first salary. There we go. So um, I used to do some um, shifts on the pumps. And, and then all we had to do, well, I had to actually walk outside and, and physically put the fuel in the car. We did that in those days. Some of you remember that. But it's pretty much sell fuel, oil, and a few lollies. That was it. But as I looked at this guy, I thought, he's, you know, he, okay, he hasn't got to do the walk to the car, but he's got to take the payment for that. He's, he's actually running a shop. So they've got, you know, produce and, and bread and milk and, and they've got some um, car parts and, and bulbs and, you know, fuel cans. They've also, he's, he's also got to be a barista because they're making coffee. He's got to do that. And they've got pies and hot chips and, and he's got to cook as well. And I'm thinking, this guy was run ragged, which was the, the cue. So there's a few people waiting for their coffees and there's these nine people or so in front of me. Anyway, I eventually got to the... The, the desk, and I was just about to say my pump number, and a lady skipped the queue. She came up right beside me, and she said, excuse me for interrupting, is that word. She said, I can't get my petrol, she said, this is to the guy, she said, um, I can't get my petrol flap open, can you help? And this guy, everything caved in, he's just like his shoulders came in, his head went down, and his face fell, and it wasn't good before, you know? And um, so at that point, I interrupted, I interrupted his caving in and said, excuse me for interrupting. Look, I used to be a mechanic. Would, you, would that be helpful if I help this lady out? I'm, I'm happy to come and join the back of the queue again. You've obviously got a lot going on. He said, oh, that would be great. Thank you. So I went off with this lady. We got, the, got her car sorted out. And that was probably two, three, four minutes or so time I came back in. And by then the queue had gone. And I'm walking up to the counter. And the guy catches, or I catch his eye and... A bit like that passage, he falls on his knees and he says, Can you help me find Jesus? No, he didn't really. <laughs> but isn't that what we want to happen? At, like, I don't know about you, he got Jairus falling at, at Jesus' feet saying, Can you come? Because there's this desperation. And often we do things not out of the kindness of our heart, but because we want to see someone come to Jesus. Now, that's not a wrong thing we we should want people to come to know Jesus that's um, my son's had someone literally fall down saying can you help me find Jesus it's never happened to me it's happened to my my uh, eldest son so those stories happen but today's world they're pretty infrequent but let me tell you what did happen so as I walk up to the counter uh, and he just says thank you so so much so I said to him I said I said you're obviously swamped what's going on and he said, oh, he, said um, he said, usually there's at least two, if not three of us on. Um, we've got one guy just didn't turn up, and the cook phoned in sick. So it's just me on my own. And he said, I'm just absolutely swamped. I said, well, look, I was really, really, really glad to help. I'm sorry you're having a bad day. We just chatted for a little bit. 
And, you know, I paid for my fuel, and I, I think, I, I can't remember if I bought a pie, I didn't, for the two, no, I think, don't think I did, I thought, no, I'm not going to make you cook, that's right. <coughs> Excuse me. And as I left the, the servo, I, I thought this, I don't know this, but I like to think that when he got home to his partner that evening, and she said, oh, hi, hi darling, how was your day? And he, he would say probably like, oh, it was terrible. The cook phoned in sick and then the other guy didn't turn up and I was on my own. It was just terrible and this happened and, and I just couldn't get on top of everything and sometimes there was 9, 10, 12 people in the queue waiting and they always looked angry and that made it worse. And, and then this woman came up in the midst of the queue, can you help me get my petrol flap open? That was the last straw. Paper, there was this guy. There was this guy. And, um, and he helped me out. And then when he came back in, he asked me how my day was and, and somehow it just boosted my day. I like to think that that conversation happened because I interrupted what was a bad day for him. And I interrupted an interruption because of that, what happened with that lady, if you like. So interruptions, we can look at them as real negative things, and sometimes they are when we've got a load of things to do, just like you were saying, you know, I've got all these things to do today and nothing seems to be going wrong because the mower didn't work, that interrupted me. My baby didn't have a sleep, that interrupted what I was going to do then. That, that's common for a lot of people. But I wonder if we can see, start to see interruptions as opportunities. Opportunities for God to breathe patience into us when we're frazzled. Opportunity for us to dig deeper rather than just living on the surface doing what we normally do. Opportunity to look at, at someone and say, how can I help them? Because they're obviously struggling. This passage is just full of interruptions. So let's, uh, let's read the next part. Immediately Jesus went with him. So just think about this. Jesus responds immediately. It's a bit like ambulance. Ambulance arrive. Blue lights going, woo, 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 and off they go. But it's not just Jesus and disciples. The huge crowd followed. So they're trying to get an emergency happening here. He's trying to get there in a hurry. And there's this huge crowd of people who are pressing in, pushing all around him from all sides. Now in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all she had on their treatment, she was getting worse instead of better. We've got the next slide. When she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd, came up from behind him and touched his prayer shawl. For she kept saying to herself, if I could touch even his clothes, I know I'll be healed. As soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. She knew it for she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. And the next slide. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him, for he felt the power that always surged around him had passed through him for someone to be healed. Wow. What is that like? What did that feel like? I'm going to come back to that in a moment. It's a really important uh, phrase there. He turned and spoke to the crowd saying, Who touched my clothes? His disciples answered, what do you mean? Who touched you? Look at this huge crowd. They're all pressing up against you. But Jesus' eyes swept across the crowd looking for the one who had touched him for healing. Let's just stop there for a moment. I, I read a book uh, last year, and um, I'm now reading it again for the third time. And it's, a, it's not a theology book, but it kind of is. It's written by a psycho psychologist called Steve Bidolph. You may have come across him. If you've got a boy in your household, he wrote a book called Raising Boys, which saved my, my wife's life. 
um, particularly with one of our boys. We've got th five kids, three boys, two girls. So um, he's written a lot on parenting, but last year he wrote quite a different book. Um, he wrote another book on manhood, actually. Excellent, excellent read for, for blokes and for women to read about blokes. But this book is quite different to his other ones, and it's called Fully Human, and it really got my attention. It made me think about this, that as a believer, um, if we think of Jesus, if you go back through church history, there are times when the, the church drifts in theology to saying, Jesus is God, just God. And there are other points in church history where they drift the other way and say, Jesus wasn't God, he was human, fully human, a human being. And then various councils would happen over points to, to pull these two together in the center and say Jesus was fully God and fully human, both together. Does that make sense? And as I read this book, I realized I've been drifting this way. Thinking a lot about Jesus as God, look about the miracles and all the things he did and uh, the way he answered questions when he knew it was a trick question. Thinking about all those things, it's got to be God doing those things and, and what he did on the cross for me as, as perfect, which again we heard about in that communion talk. But I realized I've neglected to think about Jesus so much as a human being, fully human. If you want the best example, what does it look like to be a really well, full-functioning human being? Look at Jesus. And that book has helped me to do that. He has a theology bit in the, in the back that the, the majority of which I don't agree with. So I just say that if you do pick up a copy of the book. But as a psychology book to help us, there is a section, part of what he says about the pick and mix society of saying, yeah, I want to take this bit of Buddhism, this bit of Hinduism, this bit of Christianity. His section on that is brilliant. How ridiculous it is. There's no discipleship. There's no discipline in that. But um, in his book, he talks about there's four elements to really being a, fully, a full human being. And if you're interested, I highly recommend getting the book or getting it on Audible or Library App or one of those. It's just a brilliant, brilliant read. Let me give you a bit of an example from earlier. What did it feel like when, when um, if I was to pick on Shane here, no, I say, Shane, how are you? Put my hand on, we, we can shake hands. And we just handshake. We don't maybe think any more about that than that. But, but somehow with Jesus, he'd pick up more with a handshake. It's incredible what we can pick up. We, we do pick up body language, which is why I knew at the servo that that guy was really stressed. He didn't tell me, but it was obvious. So we, we pick up that. But there are things through touch that we can pick up that in the West we're just not very good at. Because we don't do that. There, there are hunches that we have. And he, does, he talks about those, he calls it super sense. We all have that where we, we just have this thinking, I need to do that. And, and we can say, well, that's God speaking. And sometimes it is. But a lot of people that have hunches that aren't people of faith. And they get stuff that happens as well. There's, there's, there's an ability we have as a human being to, to perceive something that there's no logic as to why. He talks about that. It's a fascinating book. Let me give you a <coughs> an example of touch. Um, I used to pastor a church in North Brisbane. I was there for 10 years. And then I took this role with compassion. And a new guy came to pastor the church. And uh, I, I let, let them have some real... I still go there now. But I 
gave a window of about a year, 18 months to let him get his feet under the table, as it were, and not have me kind of, and I just said, I don't want a medal, but I, but I, I love the people there still. You know, I invested a lot of time there. And he said, you're really welcome. You're welcome to stay. So that was great. So it's my first day back after about year, 18 months or so. And um, I'm in the foyer area, if you imagine out there, just before the service starts. And I'd, I'd met the pastor, but I'm not his wife and family. And so he introduced his wife, Malise, to me and their three girls. And we got chatting, a bit of a clue here. I was wearing a very similar color shirt to the new pastor. So uh, he went off to get ready for the service and people come in, hadn't seen me for a while, so we were chatting away. And, and as we were talking, I just was aware, that super sense, you aware that someone came up beside me. I, I, peripheral vision, I suppose, just aware of them there, but I was deep conversation. And then I felt this hand come around my back and just rest on my shoulder. But it felt different. That's all I can tell you, it felt different. It wasn't sexual, it wasn't untoward, there was nothing dodgy about it. It just felt different. It felt so different that I spun my head around really quickly to see who had touched me. My eyes met the new pastor's wife, Malise, who was equally surprised to see me because <laughs> she thought it was her husband. So there was this moment, ah, oh, I thought it was and they got, got over the awkward bit. And, and I didn't kind of think anything much more about it until I started reading this book and I thought, and then I read this passage and I thought, that. We do have an ability, when we shake someone's hand or give someone, someone a hug, there is a potential to find out more about that person from touch, just like we can with body language and just like we can with words. But how in touch am I with my own body to do that for somebody else? Because in the West, we function in our heads. And all of our teaching, all of our thinking, all of our schooling is that way. So the book is really, really interesting to give us a broader spectrum of what it really looks like to be fully human. And as you go through Scripture, you'll see story after story after story of Jesus being a fully functioning human being, where often in the West, we're only partially functioning of our capability. Does that make sense? I'm just going to throw that one out there. You may do nothing more with that, but if it grabs your attention, I recommend reading the book. But like I say, I don't agree with all his theology, but it's a helpful book to read to expand your thinking. And all the examples he gives, he just kept stopping crying. Where is she? Where, where are you? And I think maybe he knew. The God part of him could have picked her out, but she wanted her to come. And then she would go away shame-free, guilt-free, healed and whole. That's our saviour. So we're releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. That's why we're all about Jesus. We have marketing people say, take the name Jesus out of your strap line and you can widen your coverage of people who will sponsor. And our answer is always the same. He's staying. <laughs> He's staying. So this morning, um, if the band would like to come up, this morning, maybe just to think about your um, response to this message of interruptions. That, that story is is just full of interruptions. You've got, Jesus has come from um, getting legion filled with demons set free. He interrupts things so much that pigs feeding on the hillside are interrupted. He interrupts their context so much they tell him to leave, so he leaves. And as he gets back across the lake, that's where we pick up this story. Jairus interrupts what he was going to do next. This woman interrupts 
the way on. And the next part of the story, we don't have time to get there, is the group come from Jairus' house to interrupt that interruption. And it just keeps going. Interruptions are here to stay. So maybe this week, when interruption happens for you, stop and think about it. What can God do in this? What can God do through me in this? Just take a moment, just a few seconds to think. Maybe, maybe someone around you, you see someone, um, there's a need. Well, why not interrupt their need? You see someone having a bit of a down day. Go buy them a coffee. I'm going, don't even ask. Just say, here, here you go. Just thought you might appreciate this. And you can be the interruption in a positive way into someone's life. And the other obvious one, I'm here on behalf of Compassion as well, but we want to see interruptions happen in Roma positively, but we also want to see interruptions happen in Thailand and to see difference made in in kids' lives. So there's an opportunity to, to, to interrupt a child like Salama, who's got, you know, small thinking, and that they can have big thinking because you're going to write to them and you're going to encourage them and you're going to say that you believe in them and that will make a huge difference in their lives. Let me pray. Father, thank you that uh, you sent your son to be human, fully human, as well as fully God. Thank you that you interrupted the course of history as it was and brought life, an opportunity, a chance for salvation, a chance for anyone to come into your family and to be loved by you. Father, we thank you for the privilege of that. I want to pray that as we go into this week, Father, that you would use people of this church family to bring positive interruption in other people's lives that may just one day cause that person to fall on their knees and say, help me find Jesus. Pray for the the profiles of children that are sitting outside there on the table. They have no idea I'm talking about them or praying for them today. Father, but I'm here advocating for them. And Father, I pray that you'd link them up with a family or an individual or a business from Roma where there can be a mutual connection of encouragement to interrupt poverty and interrupt maybe life as usual to help us think a bit wider, a bit further about others that just don't live like us. So thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for us. Thank you for the provisions you give us. Thank you for the opportunities you lay before us. We give you thanks for these things all in Jesus' name. Amen.